We're reading from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 3. It's on page 887, John's Gospel, chapter 3, 887, the first 21 verses of this chapter. So from verse 1 of John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is a judgment. The light has come into the world And the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. And amen. May the Lord again add his blessing to this reading from his word.
Well, as you can see in the bulletin, I've uh, entitled the message, God's Great Love. God's Great Love. But we see that, of course, in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The amazing love of our Father in heaven to save sinners such as we through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh, many have had their first taste of God's saving love come to them through this wonderful and priceless verse, John 3.16, by the power of the Spirit, of course. The means of converting many from darkness to light. The Bible, which is Bible verse was maybe the most memorized verse from the Bible. But we might memorize it, but do we know it? Do we really know what this verse is saying? Martin Luther made the comment about this verse, a little Bible in itself. A little Bible in itself. In other words, it's the gospel in a verse. The good news about Jesus Christ. Yes, packed in this verse is love. And yes, the justice of God as well. You know, when you have a package come, you just can't wait to get that package and open it and see what's in it. Well, that's what I'm going to try and attempt to do this morning is open this verse that we might see what's in this verse. And yes, and believe what it says, considering God's great love. It is a verse about God's love, of course. Even as John wrote elsewhere in the first epistle, God is love. Now there is a hesitation, maybe on my part, and maybe others, to preach from this verse. A caution. Because one does not want to preach the love of God in a cold way or a harsh way or in a way that's not made available to all. It's free to all. That's really what John 3.16 is saying. The gospel. And a gospel which is offered freely. To all. Offered to all. No one's excluded. When we read this verse. Whoever it says. Whoever believes in him. In Jesus. Should not perish but have eternal life. Oh yes the verse is a message of God's love. Salvation for sinners, such as we. Good news in Jesus Christ. Indeed, that's why John wrote this epistle. As he says in the latter part of this epistle, that we might believe that Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we might have life in his name. Believing God's great love to you in Jesus Christ this morning. And as we... Look at it, this verse, considering three thoughts. First, God loved. Secondly, God gave. And thirdly, God saved. God loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God is the only source of love, really, when you think about love. 
And the Bible unfolds that love of God to us from beginning to the end, we might say. Because it's the truth about the living God, that he is a loving God. Now the world will sing songs of love. The world will make movies of love. But there's no love of God in a lot of them. And maybe some are, but that's not love. The love we're speaking about here is God's love. It's different in a sense because God is the one who loved the world. Yes, because he is love. He couldn't do otherwise. That's who God is. He couldn't do otherwise than love. And why? Because it's in a falling world he comes to in love. Fallen, dead in sin, haters of God. Even as it's suggested later on in this these verses which I read there, how living in darkness and hating God, evil and violence all around, corruption and sin and decay, so much sin. And because of sin, there's so much hurt, so much sorrow, people deceived and confused, people rising in their lusts and, and causing hurt, people who are angry at God because of what has happened to them, people who can't accept the very problems of God, and people who desire themselves rather than God and hate God and building up more and more and more higher and higher hating God and building up wrath corrupt sinners yet God sees all this and he still loves he sees all this and he still loves remember the flood the earth became so wicked God had to destroy the flood destroy the earth with the flood also Sodom and Gomorrah he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin Yet God still loved. He didn't turn away in love. He loved the world. As we see here, what a contrast between people who hate God, haters of God, sinners, yet God loved. So it is. Really an invitation here when we read this verse. It's invitation of God's love to sinners. Doesn't exclude anyone. All are invited to God's love. Yes, God has elected the people from the foundation of the world. That's what the scriptures say. They call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He elected Christ before the world began. But the Bible also tells us that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they would repent and turn away from their evil ways and live. You see, the love of God is available to the world. If we say only for a few, then we are limiting the love of God and that we cannot limit that. We can't put boundaries on God's love as such. The verse does not teach that the whole world is going to be saved, but it does say that he loves the world, that he will save his people from their sins. So God loved. We must not forget, we must not lose sight of the love of God in Christ. So what does John mean by the words, for God so loved the world? The first phrase, for God so loved the world. I remember someone saying that he loved the world in this way. In other words, it's not, first of all, not the quantity of his love, but he's so loved, it's the quality of his love. 
He so loved the world. It's the quality of God's love. Oh yes, there's quantity also because he saves many. He saves his people from their sins. For he so loved the world. He saved the worlds of sinners who come to him. But who is the world when we look at this verse? He loved the world in this way. The quality of his love. But yes, he saved sinners. Who is the world? First, is it God's saving love to the whole world? In the way that everyone is going to be saved? No, that can't be so. If you say that, you're not reading the whole Bible. Because we know that there will be some who will perish. It even says that in this verse here. Those who do not believe will perish. They'll not be saved. So it can't be that it's going to save the whole world. Secondly, is this a benevolent love? God so loved the world. Yes, God has a benevolent love to the whole world. We see that in the scriptures. God cares for his creation. He cares for all he has made. In Psalm 145 it says, The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. God loves all mankind. He loves creation. Another verse says, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is the love of God even to those who are not those who have been decreed to be saved. Remember the rich young ruler. I'm sure you likely remember him. I've heard of him. He came to Jesus and knelt before Jesus and he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What did Jesus do? What did he do? First thing he did, he loved him, it says. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Of course, he did say to him afterwards, he challenged him about his sin, but you lack one thing, he said. He said, sell everything and give to the poor and follow me. Then you will have treasure in heaven. But he went away sorrowful because he was rich. He went away sorrowful because he was rich. And there's no record that this rich young ruler had received the slaving love of Christ. There was that benevolent love there though. But I think when we come to this verse, we're thinking about God's saving love. A love that saves wretched sinners such as we. And that's what we are. We're wretched sinners. We don't realize the depth of our sin. When we realize that we come to Christ because we need Him for God to love the world. Yes, the world that consists of all kinds of people, every language, every tribe, every nation, every people. That's what he's speaking about here. It's that broad love of God. God saving love. Yes, the saving love which is deep. Some people speak about the devil love of God. It's very broad. But the love of God which saves is deep. It's a deep love that goes down to the depths of lost sinners or in the worst state, we might say, away from God in darkness and sin. It's deep. It saves sinners. God so loved those who don't desire Him, who don't want Him. God demonstrated His own love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sinners. In the fullness of time, Christ came. Yet, that love was from all eternity. 
God always loved and always will love from eternity to eternity. That love of God, the height and the depth and the width and the love of Christ, yes. Yes, he loved. You know, we go back to Deuteronomy there. And Deuteronomy makes a reference to Israel and how Israel was chosen by God. Chosen by God. Why did he choose Israel? What's the answer? Why did he choose Israel? Israel was a tiny nation, a small nation, insignificant nation. But why did he choose Israel? Well, Moses writes there in Deuteronomy, because he loved you, it says. Because he loved them. What's the reason? He loved them. That love of God is so broad and so great. I think about Proverbs. I also think of this verse in Proverbs. Proverbs, well, verse 30 and 31. Then I was beside him like a master craftsman or a craftsman on his right side. This here is referring to wisdom, of course, but we know that Christ is the wisdom of God, so it directs us to Christ, we might say. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of men. Lord, delighting in the children, delighting in mankind. And also in Sephaniah, we have Sephaniah 3, verse 17. The Lord, your God, is in your midst. And mighty one, a mighty one who will save He will rejoice over you with gladness. We come to praise God. He rejoices over us with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will extol over you with loud singing. That's God. That's God's great love to sinners such as we. That love, his treasure possession. He loves them from all eternity. He loves them. Yes, he does. His people, the children of God. So God loved. But he also gave. God gave. God loved and God gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. A lost sinner. A lost world he gave. Adam fell, yes, and we all fell with Adam when we practiced sin. But our God came into this fallen world to save. Save sinners. Sinners, certainly, who cannot save themselves. Sinners who need the Lord. You see, when we're in sin, apart from Christ, we're dead in sin. That's why the serpent was put up on the post there that they might look and live because they were dead if they got bitten by the snake. Dead in sin. To be saved, you need to be made alive. Suppose you're out hiking or maybe out driving your bike and you're going along a really steep cliff and you're with somebody and this person falls over the cliff. He lands down on a cliff I don't have bad, he's broken, but he can't get off that cliff. He can't do anything for himself. He's there. He's down there. And you look down at him and say, Oh, I feel sorry for you. I'll tell you a good story. I'll tell you 
Make, feel good about yourself, you know, you're okay, don't worry. Would that, is that what you would do? No, you'd call 911, wouldn't you? You'd take action. You'd do something about it. That's what God does. He takes action. He does something about our condition. We're in a terrible condition. And what did he do? He gave his only son. That's what he did. The sinners like we. He gave his only son. The great love of God. He doesn't just feel bad for us as such. He sees and acts. Jesus is the sent one. The one who came by the will of the Father to save sinners. This is the love of God. The Father's great love. The only answer is the love of God. Yes, and the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Together they're acting, yes. Acting together to save sinners. A sin-cursed world who need the Lord. Who need to come to Him. Rebellion and hating God, as we know. We all need a Savior. We can't save ourselves. We need Him. You see, He came. <laughs> he didn't come to a palace. He didn't come to a throne. He came to a tree. He came to the cross. He shed His blood. He shed His blood. He bore the wrath of God for our sins. God gave His only Son. Not an accident. No. It was out of His love. You know, it wasn't Pilate's choice, really, that Christ be nailed on the cross. Oh yes, He made the choice, but it was God in the beginning, we know. It's God's plans and God's purposes that prevail. He sent in love. And we know, as Acts tells us about the cross, this man, Jesus, this man was handed over to, by God, over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. In the fullness of time, Christ came. He was crucified in God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, by the hands of wicked men, nailed him to the tree, nailed him to the cross. Yes, they did evil. They crucified the very Son of God, but this was God's plan to do this. He gave. Nailed to the cross, God gave. Sending His love. Yes, this love is sacrificial love. How much did Jesus sacrifice? He left all glory, took upon Himself our sinful nature and humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He was sent to die. And he knew full well that was his reason for coming. In the Garden of Gethsemane, how he prayed and, and he sweat with drops of blood, knowing what he was going to endure on the cross. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. He willingly went to Calvary. Why? To take the nails that we deserve, to die in our place, our Lord Jesus Christ. yes. He came to die. He faced God's judgment. He became a curse for us. He bore the wrath of God for our sins. Some people have a difficulty with that. But there's no salvation without that. Some people say God doesn't judge. He's not a wrathful God. 
Oh yes, God hasn't changed. I am God, I change not. Old Testament, New Testament, he's the same God. Oh yes, judgment fell on Christ. He bore the wrath of God for our sins, for our sins. He stayed there and paid there for our sins. Our Lord Jesus Christ did it. That sacrificial love, nothing was held back. God poured it all on him and looked away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me with the words of our Savior? He was forsaken so that we might not be forsaken. Even the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the sacrificial Lamb, he gave a sacrifice for our sins. Oh yes, the Father's action, that eternal love. He came to live and to die and to be raised on the third day, of course. How can we grasp this love of God apart from the justice that he was punished for our sin? And God must punish sin. The verse says that. Those who do not believe will perish. And that's eternally. That's just not die, but that's destroyed spiritually, perish spiritually. At the end of this chapter, read those verses, this verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? But how about those who won't believe? How about those who remain in their sin? Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him eternally. It's hell forever and ever and ever. We'll perish because you don't believe. If you don't believe today, you can stay in that position of unbelief. You'll perish in your sins. That's what the Bible says. It's not what I say. I don't like saying this sometimes, but that's what happens. You go to hell if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. We can't change that. If we change that, we don't understand the love of God. We believe what he says. And that's what he says here. That love. God speaks. Yes, he's a just God. Oh, people say, oh, I have love. Or I speak about love. Or I boast of love. But I don't like to talk about the severity of God. Well, you're missing something if you don't realize that he's severe. Oh, yes, he's loving and kind too. He's God. Many might say, well, God, he has uh, just in his left, left hand, but he doesn't use that. No, no, no. Sin must be punished. He's a holy and just and wise God who carries out his plans and purposes, who does what he will do. God is just, not set aside. Fulfilled in Christ who suffers the wrath of God for our sins. He took our sins. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Then we become the righteousness of God in him. See the switch? We're sinners. We have no righteousness of our own. All the righteousness of filthy rags. But Christ died on the cross. Washed away our sins. He gives to us his righteousness. Therefore we can come before God in Christ. That's how we come. In Christ. We come before our Father in heaven. Nobody comes to the Father except Jesus, who was the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, yes. You see, when you sin, you sin against an infinite God. You break His law. And the only way that sin is going to be paid for is by the dying of His eternal Son. 
the infinite Son of God, we might say, who paid for our sins. It demands this. God demands this. God does this. You see, it's not our good works. No one is good, no, not one. It's not our doing, no. It's not our trying to keep the law, no. It's only one thing. It's the doing and dying of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, the sacrifice of Calvary, that love of God, the eternal Son of God died in our stead. Salvation is supplied full, free and full and complete in Christ. We sang from that hymn this morning at the opening of the service, or before the service, about Christ. And I was just thinking as we, we sang that song, it's done. It's finished. It's accomplished. Jesus said that in the cross, didn't he? He said, it is finished. What did he finish? He finished the work the Father gave him to do. He bore the wrath of God for our sins. He paid for our sins in full, complete. It's done. The deal is settled. It's finished. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're secure in him. Jesus paid it all. He appeased the wrath of God for our sins. Yes, Jesus saved from the coming wrath. That's justice. And no one will perish. But as I said, if you don't believe in him, you will perish. So God loved from all eternity. I can't quite remember, but I think there was a theologian who said, God always loved his people from all eternity. Chosen in Christ before the world began and then forever with him. Even before we can't comprehend that. But we know God's love when we look to the Lord Jesus Christ. So God loved from all eternity. God gave in the fullness of time his only son. And God saved forever. God saved forever. You saved forever. Not just a moment, but forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life in him. And the Lord Jesus Christ, that free offer of salvation. And God will not let you go. And you can't hide from him. You are his. He watches over you. That person on the cliff. If that had been somebody fallen, helpless in a hopeless situation, God can come down and take that person and make them live forever and ever. So great is his love of God. Saved forever. Sins forgiven. Washed away. Yes, the righteousness of ours in Christ. God's love. Not our way. No. We believe in Him. Not our going to church. No, not our doings. As I said before, our trophies are the praise of man, but believing in Him. Believe in Him and you will not perish. You know, I was thinking those verses, especially in Sephaniah, about how the God's Son praises over His people. You know, in Luke 15, the parables that Jesus gave there about the, the lost sheep, about 99, where He left and went in search of the one that was lost. 
and the lost coin that was found, and of course the lost son who was also found. What happened there when the lost well, the lost coin was found? What happened when she found the coin? She called everybody together and rejoiced. Rejoice with me, I found the one that was lost. And there was rejoicing in heaven before the angels over one sinner who repents. Who's rejoicing there in that verse? Rejoicing. God is. Rejoicing over one sinner who repents because God's love took effect. Think of the prodigal. I was listening to Alistair Begg and he made reference to the prodigal son. You know the prodigal son went away, took all his inheritance and wasted it all. He ended up with nothing. He ended up feeding with pigs. You know, he's not a very pretty sight. I mean, I like pigs, but they can, make, they can be messy. And they can be kind of stinky. So what happened? The prodigal is coming back. He said, I came to my senses. And what did he do when he came to his senses? What do you think he did? He thought about his father's love, I betcha. He went to his father. As he was. Starving to death, we might say. He was needed to eat with the pods that the pigs were fed. And he he was net of money. He was stinky. But his father saw him coming a far way off. What did his father do? He ran out. He threw his arms around his stinking son. His love. He throws his arms around us as stinking sinners. That's what we are. We are. And Christ died for us. And God rejoices over one sinner who repents. Yes, that love of God. Yes, He loved. He gave. He saved forever. Nothing could separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Forever with Him. Yes, He loved us first. And we love him because he first loved us. If we truly love him and we seek to serve him and follow after him and walk in his ways. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. And we must admit, O Lord, we're not always as warm to your love as we should be. But, O Lord, we pray by your Holy Spirit, O Lord, that you would draw us and and even warm our hearts, O Lord, that we might put away all bitterness and and anger and, and things that aren't right before you and confess that we need you. And we do need you, Lord. You're such a loving God and a merciful God. And we would pray, Lord, that None of us would perish, but Lord, that we'd believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. The only answer is God's great love to us in Christ. And we 